You're listening to Understanding Disordered Eating. I'm your host, Rachel Heinemann, licensed mental health counselor. Each week, we explore the deeper meaning of our relationship with food and our body. I interview experts in the field of eating disorders and psychoanalysis to bring you the answers about why you do the things you do and bring you one step closer to a healthier relationship with food and yourself. All right, let's get started. This is episode 79. Now, before I jump in, I want to echo something that I've said before, and maybe I can't say it enough. The purpose of this podcast is, sure, for you to get more information to help heal you, your relationship with food, understand yourself better, all that stuff, but also to start a conversation. And not just any conversation, but conversations that need to happen, perhaps conversations that are really, really difficult to have or people aren't having enough of. So if this episode speaks to you, if next week or last week's episode speaks to you, talk about it. Talk about it with your friends, with your family, with people who you talk about these things to or share it on social media. My hope is that we start looking at the healing process or whatever you want to call it in a different way, in a deeper way, in a more meaningful way. So on that note, today's episode is when your eating disorder recovery is maybe not following the trajectory that you had hoped it would. Perhaps you've done a ton of work, maybe restricting so much before, and now you're having regular meals and snacks and you're doing the thing, but it's still really obsessive. You still feel really anxious. You're not quite there yet. And this I see over and over and over again, where people come in and they're mm, maybe eating like really, really, really little. And then now are eating every few hours, they're eating their meals, they're having all the macros, they're doing it. But there's something that still feels really, really obsessive about it or really deliberate about it in a way that's not freeing. And it feels what conventional societal norms tell us is, quote, healthy eating like clean eating, like the kind of thing where you're having a lot of greens, vegetables, fruits, plain proteins, only quote healthy fats, just like really, for lack of a better term, healthy eating, which you know is not what I consider healthy eating, but what the world considers healthy or clean eating. And this is when somebody perhaps goes from struggling with anorexia to perhaps orthorexia. Maybe you're going to a dietitian and a doctor and a therapist, but maybe they're not exactly hazel-lined and you're eating, so that feels a lot better. Everyone's like, wow, she's eating. She's so good. She's eating really often. She's challenging herself to do this. And on the outside, it looks a lot better. And it is. I'm not nixing that that isn't a huge accomplishment. But I do think that when there's a ton of obsession and fear of weight gain and anxieties and lots of rules and fears, then yeah, we might be looking at something that is orthorexia. Now, orthorexia is not officially in the DSM, which is obviously, you all know, my favorite book in the whole entire world because it's so accurate and so awesome and it really tells the entire story. I think it soon will be, perhaps when they come up with a new edition of the DSM, but either way, it's a part of the not otherwise specified category. And basically what orthorexia is, the obsession with clean or healthy eating. And so the reason why I even call it this is because so many people think that this is the ultimate to, quote, watch what they eat or eat, quote, healthy or eat, quote, clean. 
And that in fact, it becomes so restrictive that it's an eating disorder. And so perhaps no, it is not the same as anorexia and you are incorporating a lot more food and it's not bulimia and it's not binge eating, but it's its own eating disorder. Now, there are two different categories of the way that I see this particular trajectory come up where somebody comes in with, I guess, I don't even want to say a worse eating disorder because it's so subjective. And if someone is struggling, then they're struggling, period. Who cares if it's worse or better? But there are two ways that I see this happening. One is either the person themselves is like, well, I'm doing so well. I'm eating so much. I don't know why I'm still obsessing. I don't know why I'm still so anxious. I don't know why I still have terrible body image. I don't know why this is not working for me. So they're not really too aware. Or the other piece is that they sort of know that there's not something that's 100%, that perhaps there is more that they can do, more than they can challenge, and, and definitely more on the road ahead of them. But their family or the people around them are like, what? But they're eating so much. They're eating so well, so often. All this, she looks so good. And that's really different because it's about providing more information or creating more boundaries. I think that this is... You have to figure out where you are. This is the kind of question where nobody really can tell what's going on inside your mind. Do you know that there might be something off here? Or do you really think that you're perfectly okay? We're talking to two two different people here. Now, I think we have to think about this in perhaps a little bit less of the way that I think about this and more so a neutral way because I have my own opinions and biases. And then there's just looking at this, maybe stepping out of my own brain. So what I mean by that is I can say, oh, that's not recovery. That's totally, really, really far from recovery. But when we realistically think about what's going on for a particular person, we can think about it even as like a career trajectory. Somebody goes to elementary school and then middle school and high school and college, and they can go to grad school. They can go to school for their doctorate. They can do post-grad training. They can do internships. They can go all the way to the end of it, especially if they're a medical student, they can go to medical school and then residency and all the other things that medical students do. There's lots. And you know, you can be on the 12-year trajectory to become a specialized surgeon. And if that's your goal, then go all the way to the end. But if that's not your goal and you don't want to go all the way to the end or it's not worth it to go all the way to the end, you can stop at any point. You can stop after high school. You can stop after college. You can stop after grad school. You can stop wherever it is on your career journey. So I say that right here with your recovery journey, because it's not really up to me or anybody else how far you go on your recovery journey. I hate the word recovery, by the way, aside. I'm using it because it's just sort of, we all know what I'm talking about when I use the word. But you get to choose when you stop. You get to choose when you get off the train. You get to choose up until when you feel like working. So if eating more regular meals and not restricting to the point where you're having really nothing is something that's a goal for you, then that's fine. That's where you want to go. You don't want to do the 12-year specialized surgeon. So as much as I say on the other side of it is this incredible life with no obsessions and no fears and a much better life, if that's not something that you feel like doing, then you don't have to. Or if you're not ready to, then you're not ready. But I guess for the rest of this episode is for those of you that know that there is still something wrong, you know that there's still a problem and maybe it's too scary to move forward. Maybe you're not sure how to move forward, but you do want to. You don't want to stay in this safe stuckness of like challenging yourself, but not too much. 
And I think the first thing to do if you're stuck in this situation is to acknowledge that this isn't it. Still obsessing, still measuring your yogurt, still only counting macros is not it. That is not the place that you want to stop. And that is not the place that you have to stop. Acknowledgement. Acknowledgement that you want to go further and that you need to challenge yourself further in order to get out of this is number one. The second piece that I think is really important is to take a long and hard look at the providers you're working with. So just caveat, I'm not at all blaming providers. I think that every provider works differently. And a lot of times it's about click and chemistry. And do you like this person? Do you feel like they're helpful? That being said, if it is a provider that does not work from a haze perspective, they are not health at every size, they do not promote weight neutrality, i.e. it's a dietitian who might be helping you lose weight or maintain your weight without actually looking at your food behaviors to make sure that that's a healthy place for you, or a doctor, or a therapist who say things like, don't worry, I won't make you fat, or don't worry, you can still have all your safe foods like your salmon and veggies for lunch. Or, yeah, I still eat my half a cup of five or one cereal for breakfast every day. And I'm dating myself here because I probably haven't had significant conversations with these type of providers in a while. Hence, no one eats five or one anymore, do they? Ugh, I hope they don't. The point is, what I'm saying in these examples is if someone is leaning into your anxiety and saying, don't worry, it's not going to happen, is allowing you to stay sick. Let's just be honest. Someone who says something like, I get that that's your fear. And our goal is to make you healthy. Our goal is to work toward you not being obsessive, to work toward living in a body that actually works for you to have a healthy relationship with food. We don't know what's actually going to happen with your body. It might stay the same, but I can't promise that. And maybe you can eat your salmon and veggies for lunch, but that's not going to be a requirement. And if you're having that every single day for lunch, perhaps that's, perhaps that's not the best for you. And maybe measuring your yogurt is probably not the best idea for you. Or having your PB2 is perhaps not the best idea for you. Or just calling it out. You are still restricting. Someone like that has the capacity to take you much further in recovery. Someone like that will hold your hand through the process, through the transformation, as opposed to allowing you to stay sick in this restrictive or orthorexic or clean eating place. Someone who provides the reassurance to you that says something like at the end of the day, when you work through your stuff with food, it's probably going to be the least interesting part of you. And we probably won't be talking about it or we won't be talking about it as much. And you probably won't be thinking about it besides for the sort of minimal, normal day-to-day, like what do I need to get in the grocery to have on hand for my meals? Someone who tells you that and doesn't let you stay afraid of gaining weight, stay afraid of other fear foods, someone who doesn't let you get away with, but I like this option much better. I like PB2 better. I like plain chicken better. I like Greek yogurt frozen in little packages better than ice cream. Someone who doesn't let you get away with that. Now, by the way, I'm not in any way saying there's something wrong with salmon and veggies. I'm not in any way saying there's something wrong with like Greek frozen yogurt. What I am saying is when we delude ourselves into saying that this is something I prefer, but really it's your eating disorder and your fear talking, then that's not a true statement. It's not a true statement that you like it better. You're saying mostly that you're too anxious to eat the other one. And therefore this makes you feel less anxious and that's why you like it better. We just have to be honest here. 
The next thing that I think is important to ask yourself is if you weren't worried about your health whatsoever or about your weight, what would you eat now? And this perhaps can be a question you ask before a snack, before a meal, or just in terms of your relationship with food in general. But I think it's easiest if you start with right now. If it's not exactly what you're going to eat right now, maybe challenge yourself to do the thing that you actually want. So for example, let's just say you've measured out your kale with your sweet potatoes and your chicken and your avocado and your olive oil dressing with all these different veggies. It's a perfect meal. It has all your macros. Hooray. What if the thing you actually want is a different dressing, like the one that's bottled or the one that you made with all different ingredients in it, but that feels too scary. So perhaps the thing to do is to put the dressing on Or maybe what you actually want is like a sandwich on white bread with fried eggplant and cheese. Like maybe that's what you want, but that's going too far. So maybe the thing to do is still have the salad, but have it with the dressing. Either way, create the difference between what you're eating and what you want to be eating if you had absolutely no fear and start to bridge that gap. Start to challenge yourself doing those things. The next thing that's really, really, really important is surrounding yourself with people who don't talk about dieting at all or don't talk about weight. Now, I understand that we live in a world that this is almost impossible and that everybody around us is obsessed with it. And maybe in your circles, it seems like that you can't find anyone who's not. But I do want to encourage you to hang out with the people and spend time with the people who don't obsess about it as much or at all. If they do start talking about it, you don't have to engage. You don't have to contribute to the conversation. You can tune them out or you can leave leave the room completely. People who talk about their food intake, their dieting, and not even in a restrictive diet, but like what they ate and how it's so healthy and how it's so good. And they talk about weight and they talk about what's ideal. Even if they talk about like, I'm so good. You know, those people who, I mean, the other people who think that they're in recovery, but then you go dress shopping and all they're talking about is that they don't fit into this and they fit into that. And You know those people. I mean, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Just don't put yourself in the line of fire. It's not going to be good. So if you can, just leave the room. Like, "Mm, sorry, guys, got to pee. Or I got to take care of something in the next room. Oh, look, someone's calling me. That's a really important phone call. I got to take this outside. Whatever it is, remove yourself from those situations. And the last thing that I think is also really important is the work on your own body image. So we've had a few episodes on the podcast about body image and and different tools and ways to think about body image to help you work on your own body image. So you can listen to those for specifics. But if all of this, if you're being so hesitant around food is connected with your body image and your fear of gaining weight, then that is work that you must do in order to move forward. So again, I'm not saying that everybody needs to do this. I'm saying that if you are stuck in this place where you've challenged yourself, yes, but you're in this position where you're still obsessing and you're still really careful about what you're eating, even if you are challenging yourself here and there, chances are this is a lot more a case of clean, healthy, restrictive eating than it is just plain old restrictive eating. And unless you have... (laughs) a really feisty clinician who's going to say, you still have an eating disorder. I think really you are the only person, the only person that can acknowledge this. Even if people can see it, even if people don't see it, you are the only person that can acknowledge I'm in this place or I'm not in this place. And I do want to acknowledge that this is one of the hardest places to be because maybe you had a 
a raging eating disorder before that was pretty visible, but like now not so much. Now you've gained a little weight. Now you eat quote normally and and you sit at the table. You don't leave (laughs) the dinner table. Um, Now you prepare foods. Now you eat foods that you would never have touched before. And everybody else is like, oh, she's doing so, so well. It's so hard for you to say, well, (laughs) maybe not. And I think when you acknowledge to yourself that that's perhaps the place that you are in, is the only way that you're going to move forward. You made it to the end. Thank you for listening. Every single one of your downloads means so much to me. If this conversation is leaving you wanting more, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You'll have the opportunity to reply back directly to me over there. Can't wait to see you in your inbox.